great to see everybody this morning. <clears throat> I praise God that I'm a part of this fellowship. I appreciate you, all of you guys. I know it doesn't seem like it at times, maybe, but I am very thankful. Uh, we sing a song here, um, and it goes something like this, bright seraphim and endless flight around thy glorious throne. They raise their voices day and night and praise to you alone. Hallelujah, glory to our great God. Hallelujah, glory to our great God. Lord, we are weak and frail, helpless in the storm. Surround us with your angels and hold us in your arms. The older I get, the more I embrace the fact that I am not only weak, but I am frail. I could wish I could say like I used to when I was younger. <laughs> like the guy in the movie uh, says, you know, youth is wasted on the wrong people. Um, <laughs> maybe that's true. But I, um, the older I get and the more I walk with the Lord, the more I realize how little I do and how great and all the more God does. And God does things despite my self, despite the things I say. that, And it's a hard thing to talk about because anxiety is something that affects all of us. And when we are anxious, um, it's hard for us to um, honor the Lord because that anxiety just is all-encompassing. The world of the... The world of of humanity seems to create anxiety. I don't know about you, but I feel that way. The more the technology grows, the more information grows, information is growing exponentially. We could spend all of our time just looking at information and never even catch up to one day. It just grows so quickly. That's not the only thing that grows. We have to sift through that information to find out what is reliable information versus agendized information. We need to um, sift through what is right. Ravi Zacharias, I heard in the 80s, he said, um, no matter what you believe, you can find someone that will corroborate it. And that wasn't even with the internet. Now that the internet's here, wow, you could corroborate any idea. You could come up with any idea and make it seem like it's viable. So we have to kind of sift through that stuff. The 24-hour news cycle, or some people say the 24-hour propaganda cycle. Personal communications, emails, messages, Instagram, Snapchats, everything. Technology, does that create anxiety in your life? It seems to create anxiety in mine. Now, the world that God has created is very different than the world that we have created. We've created a technological world. And God, I don't think is, I think God is sitting there going, hey, really? Do you really need to take a picture of yourself a hundred times a day and send it to a friend? Really? (laughs) The world that God has created 
that world is full of joy in the Lord. And what I'm going to be preaching on today is uh, Philippians 4. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord, and I say it again, rejoice. Don't let anxiety or being anxious about, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. The world that God wants for us is more tranquility, less anxiety. With that, I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for us and kind of symbolize that verse right now. Lord, we are anxious people. We were probably anxious on our way here. We might have been running late. We, things may not have gone the way we wanted to this morning. Our hair didn't turn out right. There's so many things that seem to invade us and make us feel anxious. May we put that anxiety away. May we leave it in your hands. And may we walk boldly um, with you. And may we learn how to handle it, handle anxiety a little better this week than we have in weeks past. And as we come into a season where anxiety seems to be huge, may we see you, call to you, praise you, honor you in humbleness and thankfulness for your generosity toward us and help us to see how great you are and to lessen our anxiety to cling to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As I talk to people uh, in the past year, uh, it seems like everyone uh, feels this sense of that the world is at a crossroads of types. There's almost a universal feeling that people are anxious. Is that just me? I don't think so. And I'm not immune to anxiety. <laughs> I wish I could say I was. But last night, as I, you know, I had finished my sermon and I was looking it over and I thought to myself, I don't think this sermon's any good. I need to ditch it. <laughs> and I got extremely anxious. I don't have enough big biblical references, I thought. Are people going to like this? I don't know. Is it going to honor the Lord? All of these anxious thoughts came to mind. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? I'm being anxious about a sermon on anxiety? Really? (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) And to make matters worse, what happens to technology? Yes. It wouldn't print my notes for me. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) Jane is going, send it to me and I'll see if I can print it out. Well, she tried to print it out. It wouldn't work for her much better than it did for me. And well, anyway, we finally got to print it out. I think that those computers are really made by Satan. Really, I think so. <laughs> because they drive us insane. And it's like you're so helpless. It's like, 
if I knew what to do, I would do it. You know, if I could get in there and tweak something, it would work. That'd be great. But it never works that way. Technology, I think Satan is made to just chase our tails. And it's kind of like he gets us in a cycle. I don't know. I call it the devil box. So you're more than welcome to use that term if you'd like. Um, I didn't, it, it didn't take long. And I found myself on the bank of what uh, Max Lucado calls the largest river in the world. The, wide, the widest river in the world is the If Only River. And I'm sure that some of you are standing on the side of the bank with me uh, being anxious about the whiff, uh, if only. If only I knew my sermon would be, if only my sermon was better, I wouldn't be anxious. Um, some of you may be on that riverbank with me and you're thinking, I'm anxious about. Fill in that blank. What are you anxious about? If I was only thinner, if I was only, if I only had a good job, if only I had left earlier, stayed longer, if only I had bought the presents and didn't have to go Christmas Day, if only I had a loved one back, if only I studied more, if only I had texted, if only, if only, if only, if only. It's like these with if onlys just are like an avalanche of things that just encompass us. Max Locato said that anxiety is the downpour of the what ifs. What if I, and I love this one, what if um, I didn't save enough money for my kids to get braces and they grow up with crooked teeth? And they wouldn't have any friends because they had crooked teeth. And they wouldn't be able to get a good job. Or they couldn't find a spouse that would like someone with crooked teeth. But if they <laughs> And they end up homeless and hungry holding a cardboard sign that says, if only my parents had saved enough money for my braces. If only. Wow. Talk about catastrophizing anxiety. It is all-encompassing. And I will tell you, at night, that's when anxiety is the worst. And if that happens, let it go. Pray, let it go, leave it with Jesus. Don't talk about it. No, you don't have to resolve that problem at night. Get a good night's sleep. And in the morning, look at it again. Maybe the anxiety will be gone. Maybe the Lord will provide. When I say maybe the Lord will provide, do I think that he's always providing? Yes. But sometimes it doesn't seem like it, does it? So this happens, and it encompasses us, and we have this inevitable feeling of doom. It's like we're out of control. Anxiety is different than fear. So let's, let's take a moment just to kind of think about those two. Fear is that moment when you see something scary in life and it says, run. Like if you're walking through the um, yard and you see a rattlesnake. Yeah, that's what I, the first thing that comes to my mind is run for your life. <laughs> that's not anxiety. Fear is a healthy thing. There's nothing wrong with fear. But anxiety would say, 
well, don't walk out in the grass because what if there's a snake, right? Oh, yeah. Anxiety is that imagined kind of thing, the what if thing, which is very different than fear. So next time, try to figure out whether it's fear or anxiety. The boat in my next slide represents how we feel. We are lost at sea. That's us. My, when, when I show this to Jane, Jane goes, I'm out of the boat and I'm floating in that sea. That's the way it feels to me. And there are those times when we are at sea and we're being tossed about and God permits a time of maybe darkness that seems that we can't see him. And we look for the Lord, but we can't see him. Um, I want you to know, remember um, Philipp- Philippians 4, 5, the Lord is near. Do not worry. You can't see him, but here's the important point. But in faith, yes, that's the important part, faith. Faith is the thing that God highly values. Matter of fact, I think he values it. That's like God's gold standard for us he, and for himself. That's the thing he, he wants to see more than anything else. That's the highest value for God is for us to put our faith in him and say, you know what, this doesn't see, I can't see you, but I'm going to place my faith in you. And I'm going to say, Lord, I know you are with me in this. And I'm going to continue on. What do we grab onto in times like that? I put up the, this is the Greek version of our verse today of Philippians 4. What do we grab onto? We need something stable, something that won't move. We need to cling to God through his word. Jesus says people need uh, the word. Well, let me restart that. Jesus says people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Matthew 4, 4. He also says, blessed are those who hear God's word and observe it. Luke eleven twenty eight. And in Ephesians 6.10 through 20, I'm just summarizing this. God's word is part of the armor at which we dress ourselves. We dress ourselves in God's armor. And that that's our responsibility. So, Philippians 4, 4 through 8 and 9b. It says, always be full of joy. And in the Lord... Pardon me. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Let me say it once more time. One more time. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what we need to do. How do we rejoice in the Lord? We let everyone see our gentleness in all that we do. The Lord is coming soon. You could also say that that also means that the Lord is near. Don't be anxious for anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do, God's peace, his peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and the God of peace 
will be with you. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And Paul says again, rejoice. Some of you are thinking, well, Paul is an apostle. He's like one of those super Christian guys. He's not me. Well, that super Christian guy was sitting in a prison while writing this. And if that's not enough for you, well, let me just throw out a little bit of Paul's history. Paul is probably about 60 at this point. He's been a Christian for 30 years. He has been beaten with 39 lashes on five different occasions. He's been beaten with rods of iron on three of those occasions. He's been left for dead. He's been imprisoned. He's been deserted by friends, co-workers, and endured uh, shipwrecks, storms, and starvation. He probably is half blind while writing this and reading. And what's more, he's awaiting trial. That's where he's headed at this point. He's awaiting trial with the uh, Roman emperor Nero. Nero was a fun guy. He liked to impale Christians. Okay, we know what impaling is, right? He liked to impale Christians and light them on fire for his garden parties outside. I don't know how anyone would want to go to that party, really. I mean, that one's a tough one for me. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. And this guy is burning on the stake next to you. I mean, I think that that would just be really bad, but well, Nero did it, he thought it was great. He thought that that was a great way to light up his parties. Um, I won't throw in the bad pun of you light up my life. I'm sorry I said that. I I shouldn't have. Um, (laughs) All right. Anyway, in times of anxiety, we need to rejoice. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I've gone through all this stuff. I'm rejoicing. And I look at my own life, and I'm like behind a guy, like this guy that cut me off on the freeway. Really? That's a problem? <laughs> you know, in comparison with Paul's problems, that's really not a problem. And when that guy cuts me off, you know what I do? I say to myself, praise Jesus. Because you know what? I don't know what's down that freeway, do I? How do I know that if I wasn't in front of this guy and driving, I would get in this accident? How do I know that that wouldn't have happened? Right? It could happen. So I just praise Jesus and say, you know what? Thank you. You're saving me from some other guy hitting me down the road. I'm by faith, trusting in the Lord that he knows what's best. And the jerk that that cut me off, it's okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, man. (laughs) Thank you for cutting me off. That's okay. I'm good with that. And I'm praising Jesus. So, what am I doing? I'm clinging to Jesus at times like that. That's what we need to do. When we get anxious, cling to Jesus. But why Jesus? I hope that we all know who Jesus is. Do we? I hope so. He's the Son of God, the Creator, the one that brought all things into existence and with the very Word could make everything disappear. He's the one that actually placed himself. Yes, that's what I said. I'll say it again. He placed himself on the cross they didn't put him on the cross. He placed himself on the cross because he could have went, nope, I'm done, and it would have been over. Everything would have disappeared, and it would have been him. 
He, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Boom. Gone. Done, people. But he didn't. He said, I'm placing myself on this cross for you. But that's another sermon altogether. I'm sorry I get excited about these things. But Jesus is incredible. He's amazing. So I cling to Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the feeding of the 5,000, but before I do, I want to set it up with this. What did Jesus do before the feeding of the 5,000? Well, let's see. He healed a guy of leprosy. He healed the centurion's servant without even going to the servant's house. He healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. He calmed the storm. Yeah, I love that one. Calmed the storm. I mean, if I was sitting with him, I'd be going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not even close to normal. Who are you? And that's probably what they said. Who is this guy? He can calm the storm. He can stop things. He's in control of the world. What's up with this? He heals a paralytic. He heals a woman who had been sick for uh, 12 years. He raises a girl from the dead. Whoa, big clue. (laughs) Big clue of who he is. He can raise people from the dead. No one's ever done that since then or before. Drove out uh, evil spirits. Healed the demon-possessed man in a cemetery. Changed water into wine. Yes, God wants us to be happy. (laughs) And heal a man who's been invalid for 38 years. The disciples have seen him do all this stuff. Okay? Now we get to the... uh, to the miracle of Jesus performing the feeding of the 5,000, right? How many people is that? Well, we figured somewhere around ten to 15,000 people. I mean, last time you went to a sports arena or something, there's a lot of people there. Well, think of that. That's a lot of people. And so what happens? Well, Jesus says to Philip, to one of his disciples, uh, where can we buy bread for all these people? Now, he said that just to test uh, Philip Because he knew what he was going to do. So what does Philip do and all the other disciples? They start rummaging around. They're rummaging around in people's stuff. And I'm sure that this little boy who's so proud of himself, I have three loaves and a couple of fish. And he's going, hey, look, guys. And they grab it from him and they go to Jesus and go, yeah, we found these three loaves and two fish. (laughs) Like, we've been out on, we're on the job. But I don't think it's going to cover this many people. And then they said, Yes, hear that word again. They told Jesus, hey, tell these people to go into the, to the um, villages and buy food. Jesus tells his disciples, you feed them. To which the disciples said, no, this is not possible. We only have five loaves and two fish. Do you hear the anxiety in those words? I do. They're anxious. What do we do with all this? And anyone in the food industry, let me tell you, you can, <laughs> they will tell you, people that are hungry are really not very much fun to be around. They're pretty grumpy. <laughs> They're not only grumpy, but they get kind of mean and rude. No surprise, the disciples are feeling anxious. So what do they do? That, I tell you that story for this reason. Did it occur to any of the disciples to ask Jesus to do it? 
read that passage when you get home this afternoon or tonight and then say, hey, did the disciples ask Jesus? <laughs> I would think that that would be the first person you'd go to. I mean, you just saw him do all those miracles over that amount of time and you'd, you're busy looking around for fish and, and, and loaves of bread. So they, they, they didn't ask Jesus first. Don't we act that way too when we get anxious? Is that what we do? We don't ask Jesus first. We get all anxious and go, how can I handle this? But maybe we should just stop at that point and pray. Maybe that'd be the best way to go. And then we can ask Jesus. And they acted like Jesus wasn't even present. Our, let's not do that in our lives. Let's make sure that we're asking Jesus first. And the narrative ends, and I love this, the narrative ends with the 12 um, uh, disciples gathering the leftover bread that fills how many baskets? 12. <laughs> each one for them. <laughs> they each got to haul a basket off full of bread. Do you think that might have been a reminder to them? Jesus is saying, really? Seriously? You've seen me do all this? I'm in a, <laughs> I not only provide, but I provide more than you even realize. I want you to haul off your own basket. I mean, that is so like him. That is so cool. Jesus cracks me up, what he does. He's amazing. Jesus always has an abundance for his people. Always has an abundance for his people. Yes, let me say that one more time. Jesus always has an abundance for us. Why do we need to be anxious? Jesus is right there. He is near. Prayer should be our first action that we take when we get anxious. In moments of anxiety um, that involve other people, he does call us to maintain our gentleness. One person said that, let, everything, let everybody see your gentleness in you. Gentleness means a mildness, patience, or like Mark had preached about a while back, about meekness, a yieldedness, an unwillingness to, to, to fight over something. It doesn't say we need to be doormats. It just says that we need to be um, gentle. We need to be calm. And when other people see calm in us, we're saying to them there's something beyond ourselves that we are trusting and that is Jesus. And in Philippians 1.28, it says, don't be intimidated by your enemies. Don't be intimidated, be calm. God has got this. One saying that, um, that I got rid of the, um, out of my uh, notes was, um, it has God saying something like this, where he says, um, don't worry about today. Relax. I've got it all under control. You have a good day. And I think that um, maybe some of you have seen that. I like that. Anxiety catches our attention, but we shouldn't let it linger long in our mind. We need to have an attitude of prayer and yieldedness to Christ. We're yielding our personal rights by faith, and we're putting our trust in the Lord. 
And remember that putting our trust in the Lord is the highest valued thing by God. That's God's gold standard. So God is at work in the moment of our anxiety, trusting him, using this opportunity to pray, thank you, Lord, and then rejoice in the fact that you are his. Pray about whatever makes you anxious at that moment and be specific about your prayer. Pray specifically about your anxiety. Whatever the situation, have faith. The Lord is near. And he's going to do what is best for us. And not only is he going to do what's best for us, but he's also very generous with us. The Lord is at work. And you know, as we react to these things with people around us, we really never know who God has watching us. And he might have us have someone watching us for a particular reason. And what you're going through may not be for you at all. It may be for someone else. Um, I found that you never know who God has in the background. So just follow the Lord, pray, rejoice, be calm, leave it in God's hands. Don't, don't say, hey, Lord, take this away, give it to him, and then take it back. No, 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 just leave it there. Don't take it back, just leave it there. Leave it with him. Um, remember that the Lord is coming soon. Now that's in, in our verse. And when it says, remember that the Lord is coming soon, it actually has two meanings in the Greek. It means that the Lord is near, and it also carries a deeper meaning. There's a deeper meaning that there's a future event in which God will, will come and judge people. And so you don't need to be worried about the guy that cut you off. You don't need to be worried about your boss that's a jerk. You don't need to worry about, you know, different things that are going on in your life. Because when we are treated unjustly, God will judge them. You don't need to worry about that. Just say, the Lord, I praise God that he can deal with this later. You don't need to, you don't need to... Um, Cling on to your rights. It's okay. The Lord will provide. The Lord will be the judge. So he, he not only is near, but the deeper meaning of he will judge the thoughts and actions of everyone, including us. So we need to remember that God will make all things right. All wrongs will be righted by the Lord. My application uh, points are rejoice in the Lord. Remember Paul. He's a guy in prison. Had a lot of bad things happen to him. But what does he do? He says, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Yes, I'm sure he was anxious about the fact that he couldn't see. And I'm sure that he felt like he was wronged. And I'm sure he felt like he was unfairly treated when he was left for dead. But guess what? He said, God will judge. Don't worry. Rejoice in the Lord. Confess your sins to one another. I put this on there because um, as much as it's within our power 
we need to um, maintain the peace in the relationships we have. So confess our sins to one another, asking forgiveness and praying for each other so that we may be healed. John, um, sorry, uh, James 5, uh, 16. And as a Christian, we're called to bring peace to our relationships as within the, our ability to do so. Uh, Jesus is near. We need to humble ourselves. Leave it in his hands. He will provide. Wait on him and pray first. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Now, some of us are going, well, in my mind, my thoughts are all over the place and the anxiety is, is, is overtaking me. No, put your thoughts on important things. Get it out of that moment and, and place your thoughts on what Christ, on Christ's words, on the Bible. Try to memorize a scripture. Maybe start with um, Philippians 4, like we've just talked about today. Maybe memorize that and say that. Um, I don't know if you know who J.P. Moreland is, but he said there was a time in his life where it was so dark that all he could say in a prayer was, thank you, Lord, have mercy on me. Thank you, Lord, have mercy on me. This guy's one bright dude. He's like one of the brightest guys in, in, in evangelical Christianity. And he said, there was a time in my life where I was so depressed and despondent, all I could do was say, thank you, Lord, have mercy on me. He said, that's the only prayer I could say. And this is a mature Christian. We go through times in our lives. There's no shame in that. Talk to each other. Let's pray for each other. And this church does a really good job with that. Pray with each other. Talk to each other. Tell us, tell each other of our needs. And we can encourage each other. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And the God of peace will be with you. And that's from the last part of our verse of our passage today in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Anxiety. It's 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 a struggle. Especially when we get into the holidays. We need to be aware of that and go to Christ first and pray. Let me ask you this. If we had five minutes with God, just five minutes, he, he takes us to, his, to heaven and he says, hey, I only have five minutes with you. Do you think that five minutes would change your life, would change your view of the way you looked at the rest of your life and the world? Would it? I think it would change you so significantly that you would not see things and you would see anxieties and fears much differently. And when we get into the Bible and we hold on to those things and we read about those things, it's like God is taking us into his presence and saying, yes, I've got this. I can do it. Trust me. Place your faith in me. Pray about it. And rejoice, for I've got you. You are mine. So when anxious, give up on the what-ifs. Get rid of the what-ifs. 
Don't play the, don't play the what-if game any longer and cling to Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful to be your people. You are great, and we are weak and feeble. But Lord, you are the one that controls all things, and nothing takes you by surprise, and you are um, the one that loves us, cares for us. We are your great possession. You are near. Always, you are always with us. Help us to, to use this season of the holidays, of anxiety, um, and help us to take time, rejoice in you, pray, maintain our calmness as much as we can, leave, it in your, leave all the anxiety in your hands, and walk with you. We love you, Lord, and help us to do that this week as we go. And may you be honored and glorified. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.